Welcome to the Exponential Podcast. This podcast will help you accelerate multiplication in your church so you and your team can create movement. Exponential is the largest community of like-minded multiplication leaders on the planet. Our mission is to equip you as a movement maker with actionable principles, ideas, and solutions from some of today's top thought leaders. We see in you a culture of multiplication deep inside your life and ministry. Thank you for joining this conversation originally recorded inside of Exponential's Multiplier Resource Center, a hub of content and conversation. I'm Bob Roberts, and I am so excited you've joined us today uh, for the Exponential uh, Zoom podcast. I don't know what you call that, but we are really glad you're here today. I've got a couple of uh, sons in the ministry I love with all my heart. They're here today. We're going to have some fun. We're going to go for about 45 minutes. We're going to go all over the page. And so uh, if you got questions you want to ask along the way, put it in the chat box and I'll do my best to get back to you. We're doing a pre-conference. And so I want to encourage you uh, before Exponential, it'll be right there where Exponential is held. Uh, join us as we go through uh, in depth some of the things we're talking about today, KDSC and a lot of other stuff. Well, how we deal with race, how we deal with multi-faith, what is it like to live your faith in a global public square. We've also got uh, several workshops that uh, we'll be offering at the event itself. Uh, Nick Burleson, Kevin Cox, and Richard Cox uh, will be doing a whole breakout on planting in small towns. And then there'll be a breakout on planting churches in the public square. This is a big deal, guys. You may not think it is, but I'm telling you, you can study your community, do the demographics, psychographics, do your prospectus. But if you don't get public, this is your world now. Nobody's talking about it, but I'm telling you, study Paul and what he did in the public square in Acts, all right? So anyhow, uh, public square, and you're going to hear from Kevin Cox, Scott Venable, Dan Sadlier, Mike Seaman on that one. And then we're going to have another one that's, that's offered called Engaging Locally. How do you do it locally and around the world? At GlocalNet, we say we start churches for the world. So we believe in local. These divisions no longer exist. So yeah, we start a church, for example, right here in 76248 Keller, Texas, but it's also tied halfway around the world to Hanoi, Vietnam, and our members go back and forth. And Steve Basner, Mike Seaman are going to lead that one. And then the final one is planting uh, collegiate churches, and Nick Burleson is going to do that. So I want to encourage you. Those are some of the breakouts we'll be doing. Excited about Exponential. A lot of my friends will be speaking, and, and so uh, I hope you'll make it a priority to be there. So how you doing, Kevin Brown? I'm doing well. It's snowing here in Philly, but we're making out just fine. It's 27 here in Dallas. What's your temperature? Are you serious? No, we're we're not that cold. We're probably okay. about uh, in the mid-30s. Okay, don't grab at us Yankees. We know what the cold is like. But thank God it's not icing. My, my home uh, pipes busted last year. Don't want to go through that again. How you doing, Mike Seaman? Doing good. We got about two feet of snow on the ground, and we're Are in the middle of the And what's your, what's your temp? Single digits. Wow. Oh, you weenie. Look at you. No, one, no wonder your hair is so long and you're freezing to death. It's just I difficult. Got warm. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys, I'm really glad that uh, you guys could join today and we can just talk about some of this. What we're going to talk about is some of the things that uh, you're going to hear at the conference itself. Uh, what, are, what, are, what are some of the things that you would say have uh, impacted you from being a part of GlocalNet? I'd ask you both that. We'll start with you, Kevin. 
How has GlocalNet impacted you and made a difference in what you do? Yeah, I mean, I came from a very church-centric framework. Uh, so Sunday was the focus of everything and uh, an excellent Sunday service. And and often afterwards, there, there was not a lot of thought about how we go live that out and impact uh, the places and space where we work and live. So GlocalNet flipped all that on its head and uh, turned me and my worldview, biblical worldview, to a much more kingdom-centered view and, uh, and therefore impacted the church I planted just three months earlier uh, significantly. What would you say is the most practical uh, outward expression of that? I think the most practical outward expression is that every sermon is preached from the framework of equipping folks to go be the missionary, if you will, in the places and spaces that they work. So uh, most of the people in our church now don't think about themselves working for W-2. They really see themselves going and influencing where they're at for the kingdom of God. Now, you, your church has a tremendous inner city ministry, but you also work halfway around the world. Where do you work, Kevin? Yeah, we've been since the plant of our church going to the West Bank. Uh, so there we are right in the city of Bethlehem uh, where Jesus was born. That's that's where we've been going, engaging uh, the domains of society there, bringing our members and groups to uh, serve uh, in the educational domain with Jerusalem School in Bethlehem. They've gone there serving the social work network, which is a very intricate and developed social working network there in Bethlehem. So again, we we took a very young church and they had the confidence that they could impact a hard part of the world. Are you helping start churches? We are. We've got a church planting center here at the Perfecting Church. In fact, uh, we're going to be hosting a church planting cohort here February 7th, 8th, and 9th. You could go to glocal.net and uh, if you'd like to sit with other pastors that want to move beyond Sunday and see their churches released and impact in their cities. We have a church planning center here and uh, February 6th, 7th, 7th, 8th, and 9th will be right here in Philly. That's cool. So I'm going to, if you have questions or you need information, uh, any, any of you that are listening, you feel free to uh, type it in the chat box or, or uh, send the message uh, to the host and we'll answer those as best we can and give you information needed. So Mike, tell us about you and your ministry. What difference uh, did being a part of GlocalNet make for you? Yeah, so similar to Kevin, came from a church framework where Sunday was was the thing and uh, knew that there was something else out there. So when I, when I quit my job, when we raised money, when we left uh, the U.S. to move to Toronto, to move to Canada, we knew we weren't going to start uh, something that we could have just done in the U.S. And so when, uh, when, I, when I met you, Bob, and KDSC and that DNA Kingdom Disciple Society Church, uh, that just gave me the framework, the language for what the Lord was already doing in us. And I, I mean, I'd never been taught about the kingdom before, for instance. Mm. And as, as you both know, like I, I have a PhD in theology. And I hadn't been taught about the kingdom. What? And, yeah. Where'd you go to seminary? I'm going to call that guy up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say. <laughs> I know you're a seminary president. He's a good guy. Yeah, he, he was a good I guy. I just need to baptize him properly. <laughs> <laughs> so the kingdom framework and that kingdom shift was huge. So practically, when, uh, when we started our church, I was taught you start churches through a Sunday service, but we didn't start the church that way. 
We started by being a kingdom disciple, engaging society, living on mission here in our city, engaging society, and the church goes out of that. And, and so the DNA was built into us. We didn't have to reverse engineer it. And so that gave, uh, that, that just pushed us forward on mission with our city in ways that it wouldn't have had we not. It's uh, awesome. There are three things that we encourage our churches to do. Uh, well, really don't encourage them. You don't want to be a part of GlocalNet if you don't do this, because this is who we are. Uh, number one, we start churches out of our church. So like right here at Northwood, we're a church, but there's 20 plus churches we've helped start right around us. And we start them further than just right around us, but church planning. Second thing is work with the poorest of the poor in your inner city. And the third is pick a hard place in the world and work. And uh, we believe that the gospel was meant to go to the ends of the earth. I mean, uh, at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given. The apostles, uh, except for James, who uh, who was uh, the brother of Jesus and wound up being the pastor at the church of uh, Jerusalem, and Peter who stayed until he went to Rome, everybody else headed to the ends of the earth. I've had a blast studying the lives of the apostles uh, and, and what happened after the Great Commission. It's just been a little personal passion of mine. And the way the gospel spread, and so we're big believers in that. Uh, and so in order to make all this happen, there's a DNA. Now, now, something very important to understand at GlocalNet, one of the things that I teach guys that teach guys is I, I'm not interested in us teaching our ideas or opinions. Uh, I, I want us to teach what we've lived and what we've practiced. And the truth of the matter is uh, I've written several books on this from how to engage the world to how to start churches, domains, how to help people use their jobs to change the world, multi-faith and all this but I never wrote books until I had fully into practice what we were going on. And I wound up then going back and writing the books as a guide for those coming behind me. What did I do? What happened? What were the processes and so forth? And so uh, what we're going to give you today is just not just merely our ideas and opinions about what it ought to be. I don't know about you, but I don't get excited listening to somebody giving me their ideas. Okay, that's fine. Show me your model. Hey, if you're a church planner, and you're listening to some seminar or whatever, that's fine. But you ought to ask, okay, show me your model. Because anybody can stand up and give really great talks and lectures that you don't do anything with and get some really good amens, like Twitter. But show me your stuff. What do you have to show for it? That's very important. So there is something that makes stuff. It's called DNA. And the thing about DNA, if you understand DNA strands, there's four of them. And those four DNA strands are consistent in human life. After those four, there's so much nuance. You wind up with different, uh, different uh, color hair and skin and eyes and size and all of this. It, it, there's much variety. But that DNA determines you're a human being. There's a DNA to the church. And we begin to study what that was. We begin to teach it uh, 20 years ago. And then gradually it just... We keep learning more and more. So we say KDSC. What does K stand for, Kevin? Kingdom. Mike, what does D stand for? Disciple. What does K stand for, Kevin? S is society. No, I said K. I said, what does K stand for? Kingdom. <laughs> what does S stand for, Mike? Society. What does K stand for, Kevin? <laughs> Kingdom. <laughs> what does C I'm, stand I'm for? Final answer. <laughs> sure. Okay. So KDSC, we've done sermon series on our church. It's a big deal. We have training at Northwood that, that uh, goes on all the time, has for years, about what is the kingdom. We preach about it. We teach about it. So let's start 
When somebody says kingdom to you, what does it mean, Mike? Talk to us. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of things. I mean, the rule and reign of God, it's where God is. Uh, and for a lot Wait, of- Stop right there. Where'd you get that definition? The rule and reign of God. Yeah, where did I get that? Oh, that's yeah. from- uh, that we see a lot of people think the book of Acts is a book on the on the church, but I think it's a book on the kingdom. And so, as we see God's God's influence going out, we see the kingdom of God being ushered in there. That's cool, Ke- Kevin. What are some of the characteristics of the kingdom? Yeah, so I, th- I think maybe the most significant characteristic of the kingdom is that the kingdom is omnipresent; it's everywhere that we are. So the kingdom's not just present on my Sunday service. The kingdom is not just present when I'm mindful of God's presence. The kingdom of God, the rule of God is everywhere, everything. Every person is maybe not recognizing or yielding to it, but it's present everywhere, which is key. Well, wait a minute. You said something real important. You said present everywhere. Yeah. What do you mean by that, Mike? Present everywhere. Well, well for us, when we started engaging here in the city, we didn't just look to Christian organizations and, and mm. churches for the influence of God. We looked in our city. We, we looked at other organizations. One of, the, one of the main places we started partnering with was an arts organization called Artscape. That is a secular organization. And the Boys and Girls Club, a secular organization. But they were doing kingdom things. They just didn't, they just didn't know it. And so we started partnering with them and the kingdom of God was uh, was pushed into those spaces like it hadn't been before. So so let me give you all a very important word in the Bible. All, (laughs) A-L-L. That word is all over the Bible. Uh, And and there's this little phrase that's used. Now, when we say all, the first thing that comes to mind, if you're an evangelical, especially if you love the world for Jesus, is all people. And that's true. Kingdom is all people. Acts is about all the races, all the religions, all the tribes. It transcends all. That's why all this racial stuff in America is horrific, because the church has been at the center, sadly, historically, of the white church has, of creating so many of the challenges that we're facing now today. And we were the scholars. We were the theologians. We were the authorities and yet we were denying the all of all. Now, when we say all people, we think about all people, all nations, we're going to reach them for Jesus. Yeah, but all people means all people. And then it's all places. Yeah. And then something I discovered that blew me away. It's all things, hmm. all people, all places, all things. If you want to have some fun in your Bible, just Google that little phrase, all things. It'll rock your world. Hmm. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is probably the best explanation, a mature explanation of the kingdom of God that Paul gives once it's into practice. All people, all places, all things. So see, here's how I was raised. I was raised, uh, I'm, I'm a Baptist. So I was raised, and I fundamental Baptist is how I was raised, deep East Texas. I was raised, we were going to reach the world for Jesus, and we didn't need anybody else. That's it. And we're going to go take it over for the Lord. I discovered the kingdom in the New Testament did not teach that. As a matter of fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, the, 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 um, the magnum opus, the manifesto of the kingdom of God, it says to be salt and light. 
So the implication is I'm not taking anything over. I'm living the gospel right where I am. And so I'm connecting with the Greeks and the Romans and the Jews and the Gentiles. And see, as you start starting your church, if all you connect with is unchurched people who hadn't been six months or less, you're just going to wind up with a new form of doing old church. But man, if you do what Mike did and you engage with those domains of society when you start your church from day one, or you do what Kevin Brown does with his feeding program, that's phenomenal. And you just don't do it with the Christians. You do it with everybody else. Guess what? Your witness expands exponentially. So, Kevin, tell us about your feeding program. I mean, it's it's incredible. I'd love for him to hear. Yeah, at the at the prior to the pandemic, we had uh, three food pantries uh, that we were serving uh, in different parts of the greater Philadelphia region, and that we're mobilizing our members to go into those communities. Many of them lived in those communities, but serving those that were pushed to the margins in those communities. But when the pandemic came, we went up to six uh, of these pantries. And, uh, and we found that most had pulled back. Uh, most people were no longer engaging. Many churches had contracted. Uh, many programs, social programs that existed had contracted. We were expanding. And uh, we found that that gave us a lifeline uh, to the community and particularly the people that are pushed to the margins of the community. We, we've since, because of that work, had an entity in our area, the Food Bank of South Jersey, which has a federal uh, grant and subsidy to be able to dis distribute food throughout this region, came to us and asked us, would we become a distribution hub so that we could serve other pantries that were serving other communities? Whoa. So it's, now, it's, is, it's is that a Christian organization, the, the, the District of New Jersey? Not at all. The Food Bank of South Jersey is a, a secular organization. And um, but they saw the work that we were doing as the church in the community, and they realized that we had better tentacles into the community than they did. Uh, so they asked us, could we become their, their legs and hands, if you will? Hey, church planners, let me tell you a little secret that'll freak you out. If all you do is raise money from other churches and other Christians, you're going to go broke. Hmm. And that's what everybody's doing. You're asking the same people for the same dollars. Did you hear what he just said? I work all over the world in public square stuff with pastors, imams, rabbis, priests. Wherever there's religious hell going on is where I'm at, and I get the different religions together. Do you know what blew me away? Governments and foundations fund that work. There is more money. I hate to say it. There is more money to serve people outside the church than there is inside the church. And guess what? All the headaches that are in the world between Christians and Muslims they have to have a Christian doing it. So, hey, I'm, I happen to be a pastor, but I've literally learned you can raise millions of dollars. It, it, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I thought, how am I going to get Christians to fund this? Listen, the world will fund you when you bring value to the world and you're helping people, whether they're Christians or not. Come on, Kevin, give me a witness. Don't just sit there. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, that Asian American to the right of me, it's fine for him to be calm, but that ain't you. I mean, <laughs> he, the world is looking for, for help. And see, yeah. the bad thing, we think our value is, oh, if I just get my preaching up, people are going to judge. No, they're not. I mean, I'm sorry, guys, but they have things like podcasts and Facebook, and you have to be more than a better preacher, which I think is wonderful. I think preaching is killing the church because mm. we've turned into 
artist and eh, we don't need to do that. Mike, what is the difference between a church down the street that has a food pantry that the you know church and staff is running versus a food pantry or service that you would do? What's the difference between the two? What is the main difference? Who runs it? What, what's the main difference? Yeah, I'd say the main difference is uh, we are fueled by love, the love of Christ to love others. And, uh, and uh, others, others would have that too, but we're talking about the perfect love of God that is fueling us, that is pushing us, the kingdom of God, ushering the kingdom of God. And, uh, but ultimately it's love, right? A lot of churches, they, they say, okay, we'll start this thing in order to uh, share the gospel and convert people. Well, uh, you've missed love if, if your goal is conversion. And, and so we're... So, so I, I want to ask you something. All that love you're talking about, is that just you? Is it Pastor Mike giving all the love? Who gives the love? No, this is, this is me empowering our church. To now, there you go. Talk about it, Mike. Preach. Yeah, this is, we empower our church, like, like Kev was saying earlier, to be the missionaries, to go out, to, to live out in their skills, their passions, their, their talents, their jobs, their vocation, and they empower the community to do that. Like you were saying, Bob, so much of, of uh, the money we receive doesn't come from churches. I moved here, so I had to raise like $400,000 to come and live in this really expensive city, one of the most expensive cities, downtown Toronto. 400000 that's and, a lot of money. That, is that why you live in a mansion? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that was only for three years, for the first three years. And, uh, but I only raised 20000 before we moved here. And we went and we just trusted God to, to bring, if he wanted this to happen, he was going to supply it. And a lot of that money did not come from the church, did not come from Christians. It came from us being kingdom disciples engaging society the city saw value in that started giving us money grants i'm on a federal project right now that 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 pays half my salary like and it's we do things that uh and it overlaps do you tithe on the federal money mike (laughs) do you tithe on the federal money of course of course good Okay, so that, 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 that's awesome. So I, I just want y'all to understand, guys, nobody has really thought about the church bringing value to the community. Yeah, yeah. And you got to start, you know, if you're a church planner and you just think it's about your sermon and your music, you, you can do that and get a crowd, but most of them are going to be Christians. You're not going to change your city. You, you just put on a new kind of shirt for them and they're all dancing around, but you ain't changing nothing. Mm-hmm. And if you're just going to reshuffle the body of Christ. Why are you starting a church? Just reshuffle the body of Christ, I guess. I don't know. So K stands for kingdom. D, what does that, what does that stand for? Kevin Brown? D is disciple. Define disciple, Mike. Define as someone who hears and obeys the voice Whoa! of God. Okay, now I was raised, it's learn, grow, and go. I'm going to learn everything I can. I'm going to get mature. Then I'm going to grow. Then I'm going to go serve God. What's his hear and obey stuff? And that's straight from John 10. You hear, we, if we're disciples of God, we're going to hear his voice, we're going to recognize it, we're going to, we're going to move forward in trust and faith, and we're going to obey his voice. And so as you go in your discipleship, you're growing and learning to recognize the voice of God. 
So discipleship is not as much the transfer of information mm. as much as it is the transformation mm. of the person. Right. That's right. That's good. That's good. Uh, every morning, the first thing I say when I wake up every morning is what Samuel says in First Samuel chapter three: "Speak, Lord, your servant hears." Does he speak? I put myself in a posture to hear his voice, so that transformation happens every day. So when you start your day and you pray that, does he speak? Always. How? Uh, through so many different things, through the scriptures, through others, through thoughts. We have the mind of Christ according to 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, Philippians 4 says, think on things that are noble, trustworthy, pure of excellence. Uh, through songs, through, through my wife a lot. <laughs> she's tough man she's tough she is she's tough yeah <laughs> she keeps me in check you know kevin uh I, I like what mike said about he's speaking all day long a lot of people yeah get up early in the morning read their bible pray and they feel like they got that religious stuff out of the way now they can go out yeah. and uh do the rest of their life i kind of view that early morning worship time as opening the funnel, yeah, alerting right. the mind, connecting the mind with God, and then you can hear him throughout the day. How important, and what do you do with your early morning time with God? Yeah, for me, one of, one of the biggest practices for me in my early morning time is soaping. Um, and so we'll work through uh, the Bible, a large portion of scriptures in a year, but each morning I may read maybe 25 verses, and uh, and then I'm writing down the verse that is really the Holy Spirit is kind of magnifying for me that day, writing down and observing going on there, uh, then praying and asking God, how might I apply this truth that's standing out for me that day? And then praying for the Spirit's help for that throughout the day. Another big practice is just uh, the practice of gratitude and just writing down where I saw God moving the previous day. And uh, so for me, a big word yeah. is just alignment as, as I'm entering into that day. You know, as a, this isn't what we teach people. It's what we live. Yeah. ADSC is how we live. You know, we have the idea, okay, I'm going to learn all this and I can teach somebody. No, man, you rub off on people. You've got to be living that stuff. And, and I've learned that when I hear God's voice and I start following him throughout the day, man, I, I need him. I don't know about y'all, but it's, Little bitty small obediences. Yeah, it's good. And you bump into somebody. They can't help you. They don't have any money. They don't have any prestige, but they need something. And your first response is, I don't have time for this. And then I lead them to the Lord or I help them. And the next thing I know, their parent is the president of some country or some significant leader that opens a door for something else. I like what you said about gratitude, Kevin, seeing God in the small things. Yeah. Uh, what you just brought up right there takes me back to the very first time that you took me over to the West Bank and we traveled there and you were encouraging that each church should engage in a hard part of the world, which was one of the three priorities for us and uh, necessities for us in the Glocal Net family. But it was there that I really started to learn to hear from the Holy Spirit differently. Uh, so often what we're hearing through our familiarity with our area we're hearing through our own assessment of what we think our community needs. Most times we, we think we're hearing from the Holy Spirit, but so often we just are hearing affirmation of what we think anyway. But going to a hard part in the world where the culture is different, the rhythms of life are different, even some of the values are different, 
you find yourself as a disciple really learning to hear and obey in a different way. And it definitely doesn't hurt that you think you might possibly get killed in the next conversation. So it, it creates a, a sensitivity and a reverence that when you come back home, I just wasn't the same kind of hearer. That has impacted our church profoundly. I think it also redefines the kingdom. Because, you know, when people talk about kingdom here, oh, it's, let's work together for the common good and all that. Kingdom is more than that. Yeah, yeah. It's about living as the body of Christ, the community of God, bring value throughout. And uh, I remember you saying that many years ago, Kevin. And, you know, when I stumbled into the kingdom, it wasn't long after that, our church began to work in Vietnam. Mm. And I had to redefine what does faith look like here? What is a Christian? Yeah. I wasn't, and, and I didn't need to define it. I, I was connecting accidentally with Christians there, but working with the government in some projects. It just, I don't know. I, I think sometimes we have to get outside of our American Christian culture yeah. to understand the kingdom. And, and I agree with people that are wanting to do some deconstruction of, of church and what faith looks like. But I think looking to ourselves as broken people deconstructing to find the right thing within ourselves, we're not going to find it. I think we're going to have to get outside of ourselves and realize there's a lot bigger body of Christ mm -hmm. world helps us to find it. So disciple is hear and obey. There's a lot more to it up in and out. We don't have time to go through that. Society. What is society, Mike? Well, we talk about a lot about domains and domain engagement in society because domains form the grid of society, the, what we live in, what is, what is around us. And you see domains as early as Genesis 4 with, with the formation of cities and society and, and Jabal is, is the father of livestock. So you have an agricultural domain there. You have Jubal, the father of the lyre, uh, those who play the lyre and the pipe. That's, that's like the arts domain. And you have Tubal Cain, who is the forger of instruments of bronze and iron. So you have economics there. You see domains starting to be formed in the scriptures, and we operate in that, on that grid of society. You know what's interesting? A lot of people want to do ministry in the world because they want to do what they want to do. It's what they like to do. This is my passion. Yeah but the greatest credibility a person has in the secular world is what's your job? What is the skill that you can not necessarily get closer to God with, but you can serve the whole of humanity with that's your credibility. Mm -hmm. I like uh, the word voca. It's the Latin word, the idea of that inner voice that's calling you. And I like Martin Luther, his explanation of the word Bayruff, which means it's the idea of what, put you on a path unique to everyone else. Bob Buford was one of my personal mentors. And I remember Bob would always say, Roberts, what's unique about yourself? You know, and, and uh, you know, he knew I was going to Afghanistan and all these crazy places and I'd bring him stuff back. But I think what we have to realize is uh, everything that God has given us are tools that we have to, to be a blessing yeah. Uh, to, to other people. And the world is waiting. Uh, I'm in some of the countries that are the close, uh, cl uh, most difficult countries in the world for Christians to go. They've been thrown out. They can't be there. But I have access to those countries. And, and uh, we mentor churches. How do you work in those countries? And you can't go do uh, be Bible Bob all over the world, or, or you're not going to engage it. But I can take agriculturalists to Mongolia uh, people know how to manufacture to Uzbekistan, 
I was just in Kazakhstan. I mean, the world needs things that we have to offer, and it's that infrastructure. Yeah. And I think we get our infrastructure confused. We think it's all about church. It's not. It's getting on the grid of society. Well, even, even Go ahead. I was going to say, even the pastor has to start thinking that way, right? We're talking to church leaders here, and, and what helped me so much was I, I stopped thinking myself as a pastor, as a, as a church leader. I started thinking my, myself yeah. as someone who had these skills, like entrepreneurial skills, and so when I think of the domain I generally operate in, it's that entrepreneurial sphere. It's education. We're, we're educators as well. So uh, there's the education domain. And then because of society, because of what we do in our city, there's a social work domain that, that we're involved in and in helping society. And, and so I don't, and on our domain map for Globenet, we don't have the church as a domain. So why? Why? why is that? Kevin Brown, why don't we have church as a domain? Yeah, it's God's intent that uh, his church is us. We're the church that we would be present in every domain. Whoa! Mm -hmm. Preach it, man. Yeah. Preach it. And, and, you know, so a lot of you pastors, just like me, you know, you went to seminary, you did the religious thing. But as you begin to mobilize your community in health, education, arts, then you're going to get to know so many people in the community that are non-believers, and they're going to start asking you questions, and, and, and you're going to – it opens you up to the world in a way like nothing else. I say all the time, I understood the Great Commission. I knew nothing about the world. Mm -hmm. And it's as if the world spoke Spanish, but I spoke French. Mm -hmm. No, I got to speak, learn to speak Spanish. Domains are the language of the world. That's it's so the grid from which we operate. And so as I worked in Vietnam and I worked with communists and I was dealing with religious freedom issues, helping them with our state department, our state department with them and did the same thing in the Middle East. You know, I'm going back and forth because I had all these relationships with Vietnam. About 150 exchange students come from Hanoi and their parents were some of the top leaders in their country. So I accidentally learned about diplomacy and, and it wasn't to be a diplomat, it was to help one country. And so I'm mastering something because I'm having to read books. So don't be stupid. Don't say, well, no, I'm just a preacher. I can't do that. God may put you in a place that he may use you in ways you didn't expect. And so I did the same thing in the Middle East and Afghanistan. And I go on and on and on other places in the world. So that ultimately it led to me connecting different clerics where they don't get along around the world, primarily pastors and imams. And then I wound up doing that in the U.S. So that. Last Saturday, my phone blows up hmm. while I'm eating lunch with my wife. And I get texts from Muslims and from city leaders. And you may have heard about uh, the uh, congregation Beth Israel, the synagogue. The, the, the rabbi is uh, half a mile from my house. I'd been visiting with him the day before. The synagogue is three and a half miles from my house. And so because I'm so connected in a lot of this peacemaking stuff and working with people around the world, it was wrong. But at first we heard he was Palestinian. Well, I'm good friends with all these imams. So I find Omar Suleiman and Omar's already on the way over there. But trying to get into our community that's affluent, white, everything else. So I get on the phone with the Keller police chief and he's talking to the uh, Colleyville police chief. And, and I'm able to help him get in there where he can de-escalate the situation like no one else. And we wind up being there all day long into the night. And the reality is I was put in a situation where 
I'm helping all these different people from giving scenarios and, and, and religious issues and how do you talk to this guy and what do we need to do to helping our community de-escalate? Because mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say as evangelicals, uh, we, we don't think much of Muslims and uh, crazy how we send missionaries all the world, but we don't like them. So it opens doors that you cannot understand that gives you access to the world to be a witness in the public square. And that, that's what we teach. All right, here's the last one. C, what does C stand for? C is the church, the church, the bride of Jesus. <laughs> talk, talk about it, Kevin. Talk yeah. about it. The, the church is, is the family of God. The church is the priesthood of God. The church is the people of God. But the order that you just shared everything with is, is important, Bob, because if you start with the church, yep. you may never get the kingdom. Uh, but if you start with the kingdom, it ends with the people of God coming together, gathering together in celebration about how God is, is moved in their lives, moved uh, during their work week, uh, coming together for equipping, uh, coming together for encouragement. Uh, if you start with the kingdom, you'll end up with the church, but a very different kind of church. You know, when our church gathers together uh, in our small groups or whether we gather together on Sunday, there are people that have literally been in their professional jobs but watching the movement of the kingdom through their lives all week long. So it's a very different kind of gathering than people that are just simply coming to be encouraged by the Sunday service. Nothing wrong with people being encouraged by the Sunday service, but I would hope they would also see themselves equipped for their lives on Monday at the Sunday service. That's incredible, Kevin. You know, you know, uh, I discovered this because I realized when I started my church, that's what I did. I started with the church, and then when we got big enough, we could do this, this, and this. Man, I had the wrong idea. You know, remember our early conversation, Bob, where you were telling me to go to a hard part of the world. I was saying to you, I, I'm not old enough yet. The church hadn't been around long enough yet. Do you remember what you said back to me? I don't know. What did I say? You said to me, it can't become an appendage or something you do later. If it's not in the DNA early, it'll never be in the DNA of your church. And also, does that mean that engaging the world is just for big churches with money? No. Yeah. By the way, guys, you do know most of the churches around the world are 30 to 50. Hmm. Hmm. Let, let, let that sink in. Wow. But what we think is, oh, man, we're going to start a mega church and we're going to start mega churches everywhere. Yeah, you can do that. And, and you may have mega churches with thousands of people. But keep in mind, your goal is 7 billion people. <laughs> 7 billion people. Wow. And so it's not a matter of waiting till you're, you're obedient to do what a church does, not based on size but based on the call of God. My, hey, what are, what, are, what are the expressions of the church? We talk about the three expression of the church. Michael Seaman, talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And just to reiterate what you're saying, we're, we're not a big church. We're, we're a small church and we do all these things. We work with our city, we work in our city. We started, we've started more things. We've, we go around the world, all that. And uh, we don't have any money. <laughs> We have to get money from grants and things like that. Um, so, yeah, the 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 church the church is uh, we have we have cell groups. We have um, uh, you know, like Kevin talked about the assembly. Uh, the church is uh, can have micro expressions and macro expressions, and and so like Bob said to start out with uh, when when we start with kingdom disciples engaging society, 
the church can look different. That DNA works itself out in, in different ways um, yeah. according to your context. Good. So just, I think the global expression of the church, right, Bob? The, the, the city expression of the church, the cell expression. I think that's what Mike was getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. So, you know, a lot of people argue about the forms of church. That's just a stupid argument. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to build this particular, it's like a, like a seamstress saying, here's a dress and this one's going to be for everybody. That's just goofy. <laughs> and so I believe I believe in cell groups and house churches and all of them. But you'd better have if you're going to be a house church, you'd better have a congregational structure where there can be a focus for all of those house churches together to make an impact. And if you're a congregation built on it, on that gathering, you better have little house churches or cell groups or call them whatever you want. But I passionately disagree with people who say, oh, the form of the church is this or that yeah. uh, church history. And diversity of what's going on in the world, it's just stupid for people to say that. They're talking about one context. L listen, be careful about people who, who focus on the form of the church. Look, the church needs to be reformed right now, but it's not going to be done so by missiologists who study it and says, now this is what y'all need to do. This is the future. Let me tell you how the church is going to be reformatted. By some young person who's obedient, who's not trying to grow a big church, doesn't know they're supposed to do all this stuff. They just have the ability to get on their knees, hear from God, and they obey him, just like Christine Kane. Mm. She's one of the most humble people I've ever met. She's not full of herself, but what does she do? She's obedient right where she is. And right now, I'm working with her, helping her make some global connections. She's already got them. But just how do we work in the world, even in a more impactful way? So these things matter. Hey, do you guys have questions? Go ahead and pop them in the box because we're going to be off in about four minutes. So if you have a question right now, for free after this, $9.99 per question. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> <clears throat> but if you've got a question, pop it in the box. And if you don't, we'll just keep talking. Uh, but pop it in and we'll do our best to answer any question that you've got. So this is it. The three things, plant churches, engage your city, and work in a hard place in the world. Glocal, the idea there are no boundaries. The Great Commission, it's not one, then two, then three, then four. You know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts, that's what we think. One, then two, then three, then four. No, it's one and two and three and four. You're doing all of them. And it's not a matter of how good you do them or how big it is, but that you're in those areas. And then KDSC, Kingdom, Disciple, Society, Church. Hey, Kevin, yeah. what do you think God's saying to the church right now? Wow, that's a big I think, first of all, there's there's a need for us to change our metrics and uh, and get back to the essence of, of what I think is caught up in the DNA of this, where we really are hearing and obeying. I mean, cutting and pasting doesn't work anymore. Uh, trying to build through one model over another doesn't work anymore. Mike was saying his church is a small church. I think we're all small churches now. Nobody, we're all at least a third of whatever <laughs> we were, right? Whatever we were. So, I mean, I think it's to the place there's a there's a, a humility that God is requiring of us. And uh, and there's back to this basic of just pressing to hear from God and obey God. I was just talking to my wife this morning and I said, it seems like the church has got caught up in the sensational. What can we do now to get more views, more attention, just caught up in the sensational? But I said, that's still not the same as being caught up in just being sincere, sons and daughters of God. It's rich. Yeah, Mike, I, what do you... What do you think he's saying to the church, Mike? 
I think he's saying, wake up. I mean, Romans 13, besides this, you know the time. Time to wake from slumber. Salvation is nearer to us today than when we first believed. So let's cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. And uh, the church, like you said, we've, we have a chance to take advantage of what's happening in our society right now and reform and rethink and reimagine and revision and hear from God. I read a quote from uh, Abraham Heschel uh, a while back. Uh, rabbi that said uh, to to pray, and this is what the church needs to do: come and commune with with the Father. Uh, mm. And to pray is to be in league with the visions and the dreams of God. Oh, I think that's what we need to do right now. So, having pastored for many years and helped start a couple of hundred churches, here's what I've heard God say: I want my church back. Mm. I want my church back. You, you've sold it to consumerism, celebrityism, culture wars. I want my church back. Mm-hmm. So, man, if you are a church planter, what a time to get to start a church. You know, church planting is a hype thing. You know, a lot of guys start churches because it's the best way to grow a church. It's hard to grow established churches sometimes. And so there's a whole church planting industry, and it just grew and it exploded. And now it's in America, it's kind of tipped that iceberg, and it's not the same hot thing it used to be. But let me assure you, it is the hot thing in the kingdom of God. But it's not about starting a church that's going to make you the next Craig Rochelle or Albert Tate or something like that. It's about being the presence of Jesus and radically passionate young guys and gals that God is speaking to men and women that he's calling, get out there and get on your face and see what he says to you. All right, we got a question. If you were leading a church, leading a gathering of local pastors in your city, how would you lead them to start with the kingdom and focus on the kingdom together? I do two things. Number one, I wouldn't try to get everybody to do it because some of them aren't, some of them are, but those that were willing This is going to be tough, what I'm about to say. I'd read Dallas Willard, Divine Conspiracy. I'd I'd buy him that book, say you got to read. It's a hard book. There's it. That book is maybe the one book that'll be around from the 20th century. There may be two or three others, but it'll be in that small list of four or five that, that centuries from now will be there. So I would say read that book, read the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what else I believe. I know this sounds too spiritual. I'd get on my face before and get quiet and say, speak, Holy Spirit. Mm. We, we, we don't know how to pray. We have lost the power of prayer. We don't know how to hear the voice of God. So we go straight to whiteboarding. That's yeah. what we do. We whiteboard. Yeah. It's gotten us in a mess. We've grown big churches and pastors are ready to quit. They can't deal with race and Christian nationalism has gone crazy. It's rough. So, yeah, we'll teach you how to put a prospectus, how to do the demographics and psychographics and all of that. That matters. But we care more about the DNA. Here's what's going to happen. After two years, you're not a church plan anymore. But you're going to have a DNA. And you're going to have a life. That's what matters to us. We're not concerned as much how strong your start is. We are very concerned how strong your finish is. And I've discovered those are two different caliber of planters. So you got to have a strong start, but what is that strong start? It's more than how many people come. How do you lead folks to new things when they are starving for normal? I don't know if you can. 
I think you model it from the pulpit. So if you, let's say you're a pastor that's listening and you've asked me this question, nobody gets upset with caring for the poor. Nobody gets upset with you working around the world. Nobody gets ex- upset with engagement. I'd do two things. I'd start preaching on the kingdom of God and talk about the radical nature of what Jesus and Paul did. Paul did. Listen, guys, he's with the other religions. I don't know why people don't talk about this, how he's in the synagogues and the temples and all this stuff. He works with secular people. And so he's doing that. So I would be, you know, getting to know people, but I would focus on preaching the kingdom of God, explaining what Paul did, getting practical things that people would do, but redefine how we do them. So like it's what Mike said, everybody's got a, got a you know, a, a, a clothes shelter or food place, but how are you mobilizing your members, not hiring staff to do it? That's what I would do. Yeah. I would just move forward as long as God calls you to do there. I'm telling you, people are going to learn more by you modeling than they are by your sermons. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? Well, I don't know who you are, men and women that are watching today, but I am so glad that you came today and I'm excited. And I hope you come to the pre-conference uh, that GlocalNet will be doing as we'll talk more about a lot of details. It's, you know, several hours. And so we'll look forward to that. And let me pray for you, for for you that are starting churches. So God, I lift up to you the men and the women that you're calling out and ask that you guide and direct them, that you speak loud and clear to them, that there's encouragement and and hope. God, I I know it's hard to lead. And some people have this idea that they're going to start a church and it's going to be wonderful and they're going to lead it. God, part of being an apostolic leader is learning to handle difficulty and suffering. And we don't want to talk about that but it's the truth. Give us courage to endure and to move forward and to live beyond our own life so that our greatest harvest is not what we see in our lifetime, but what comes after us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Exponential podcast episode. Visit Exponential.org for more resources to become a part of our Multipliers community. We look forward to connecting with you and the entire Exponential community of like-minded multiplication leaders at one of our upcoming events. 